Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hey everyone, what's up and welcome to Best on Board here on The Athletic on Monday, September 20th. Michael Beller and Andrew DeWitt here with you to take you through our favorite early week three lines. As we are getting ready for one more week two game between the Lions and the Packers on Monday Night Football, we're taking a look ahead to the ones you're going to want to jump on for week three now before we anticipate they move against the way that we are going. DeWitt, how did uh, week two Sunday treat you, my friend? Week two treated me pretty well. I had, like yourself, I had the Panthers plus three and a half against the Saints. That was a pretty easy win. Always nice when you're like, oh, this is locked in, you know, even before (laughs) the fourth quarter starts. um, Yeah. You know, even if the Saints had come back, I don't see them covering the three and a half points there. So that was a good one for us. And I'm ready to dive into week three. Yeah, we were coasting in Saints and Panthers, so that one definitely felt nice. And we can look back to where we were one week ago at this spot and track our records from there. A one-in-one week for you last week. You were all over Denver at minus six against Jacksonville a week ago. Didn't creep up too much from that number, but another one that you felt pretty comfortable about throughout with the Broncos covering the six against the Jaguars. You were also on Miami plus three and a half over Buffalo. That one didn't exactly work out with a 35 nothing win for the Bills. But hey, I'm nothing, I've got nothing to laugh at. I was 0-2 a week ago in this spot. Uh, a week ago, I said, grab the Chiefs minus two and a half against Baltimore. I grabbed him there. I grabbed him at minus three as well. And for, I don't know, 55, 56 minutes of that game, I was thinking... This is, this is beautiful. And then Lamar Jackson works his magic. They get a little bit of help from the Chiefs. And ultimately, not only does my minus two and a half, my minus three fall, but the Chiefs fall as well straight up with the uh, Ravens pulling out a one-point victory. I was also on Washington minus four and a half against the Giants in that one. Not coming through either. So you're at one and one heading into week three. I am at 0 and two. Let's jump in to our favorite early week three lines. Of course, all of these coming to us from our partners at BetMGM. DeWitt, the first one that you are looking at that you want to lock in well before these games kick off. I think this is pretty much the marquee game of the week next week. One of them at least. Chiefs. Yeah, one of them. Chiefs hosting the Chargers in a 1 p.m. start kickoff. Um, you know, obviously it's a big game after both teams fell on Sunday with the Chiefs losing to the Ravens, as you talked about, and the Chargers falling to the Cowboys at home. I think both pretty frustrating losses for both teams. And, you know, the AFC West, now you have Denver 2-0. You know, the Bronc or the Raiders are 2-0. You have all these teams, and this is like a really big game early in the season, divisional game. AFC West looks like it's one of the strongest divisions in the in an FL right now. So, you know, I look at this game and I go, you know, Justin Herbert is the real deal. Had a great game yesterday against a defense that was throwing him all kinds of looks and all kinds of schemes. Um, you know, and the Chiefs defense, I mean, everyone kept saying like on Twitter during the game last night, oh, load the box, stop the run. They were loading the box. They weren't sitting back waiting for Lamar Jackson to run. And, and 
previous games where they were three and zero against the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, they had forced him to throw the ball later in the game when they started to stop it, and they're able to stop the run. Last night they couldn't do that at all, and that's really concerning. If they could were loading the box, and they couldn't stop the run. So I mean, I just see the Chargers kind of coming into Arrowhead here, and you know it's going to be a tight back and forth game, just like the Ravens and the Chiefs last night. I see Mahomes. Doing Mahomes thing, he's gonna have a really good bounce back game. He's probably someone to look at on early lines on the props because you know Mahomes really doesn't have terrible back to back games. So you know you might want to look at those props as soon as they come out to see where he's set at. If they're set like two ninety, two ninety five for passing yards, but I think one thing is like teams have kind of figured out against the Chiefs like you can just do this cover zero, sit back, don't blitz. If you're blitzing, that's what the Chiefs want. They they want that so Mahomes can roll out and make those cross-body throws, get people open like Kelsey and all those things. So I think people are starting to figure out how to frustrate Mahomes at least, probably not stop him. And so I just see the Chargers kind of covering the six-and-a-half-point spread. For me, it should probably be around like five, four-and-a-half, somewhere like that. What do you think? Yeah, you know, this is uh, certainly a stay away for me now. Um, I could see myself getting in on this uh, as things go later in the week and maybe it moves one way or the other. I just, I don't know, man. I I, I don't love the idea of any team going into Arrowhead and staying within a touchdown. I mean... Yeah, Mahomes was great last night. 343 yards, 11.1 yards per attempt. The interception may be a tiny bit uncharacteristic, but yeah, I mean, he he lived up to his end of the bargain and then some, and it really felt like the Chiefs were in command of that game. As I said, I thought I was cashing all my Chiefs tickets, my minus two and a half, my minus threes. Those felt great, literally, from that first pick six on. And uh, I mean, what was that? The second play from scrimmage it was 50 seconds into the game that uh, that the Chiefs got that pick six. So, yeah, I feel as though the Ravens pulled one out in a way that the char- the Chargers don't have uh, in their bag for them. So that's where I would be a little bit concerned about this. I love uh, Austin Eckler. I'm not sure if they are built to take advantage, if he's necessarily built, or if the Chargers offense is built to take advantage of the Chiefs on the ground in such a way that the Ravens did uh, in Monday night or on Sunday night in week two. So I think that that is a little bit of a stretch to ask for for them. I think the Chargers are a very good team, and I think they can keep this one close. I just want to be uh, out, I want. I don't want to necessarily be outside of touchdown range being a loss for me, which is why, as I look at this one now, I would personally be on Chiefs or nothing. Uh, how best do you think that the Chargers do ultimately take advantage of what they saw from the Chiefs' defense in this game against the Ravens? I think it just comes down to you know Justin Herbert and the passing offense. Mike Williams is going to have that huge side advantage outside. Keenan Allen seems like he always is able to get open against the Chiefs. I just see the Justin Herbert and the Chargers offense kind of taking control through the air. Um, and the Chiefs, you know, the Ravens didn't pass a lot, but in week one against the Browns, they didn't get a lot of pass pressure against um, the Browns. So I just don't see yeah. them being able to, like, put pressure on Herbert the same way the Cowboys did yesterday. All right, we'll take a look. It's definitely one that, uh, you know, could see going in that direction. So if you like the Chargers, now might be the time to get it. I'm going to be on the other marquee game of the week for my first pick. It's Rams and Buccaneers, a monster game already. A couple of 2-0 and teams. I mean, we could look back on this DeWitt and say that this was the game that decided who had home field advantage throughout the NFC. Seems maybe a little early to say, but that could ultimately be the case. The winner of this one, Rams at home catching a point against Tampa that just feels like too much for me I feel like we should be you know the Buccaneers of course have the uh, luster of being the Super Bowl champions and returning everyone from that Super Bowl team and they've looked great through two games 
This is a much, much different defense they are going to see uh, on in week three than the ones that they've seen thus far in Atlanta and in Dallas. And I'm not saying that it's a different defense to the extent that the Rams are going to hold the Buccaneers to 13 points or 17 points. I'm not saying that. I just don't think they're going to be able to get the motor whirring in such a way that they have in the first two weeks. To me, this should be something more like a pick or even the Rams favored by a point here. And so I think that this underestimates the Rams, how good they are offensively, how good they can be defensively. And the fact that they could play this game, they could force this game to be played in the low to mid-20s. And they're still going to give up something to the Buccaneers. They're still going to give up a little something to Tom Brady, who already has nine touchdown passes on the season. But I do think that they could get this game played more at their pace than what the Buccaneers have been able to do to Dallas and to Atlanta. And frankly, Dallas wants to play the same sort of pace that the Buccaneers do. You know, the Rams are much more of an efficient team than we think of them being as this up and down the field explosive sort of team. And Sean McVay, you know, a little bit more conservative in some of his styles than you would necessarily think from a guy who has the uh, the reputation that he does uh, around the league and in the fan base. So I think that this is one where the Rams just aren't getting enough respect after the first two games that they've had uh, with beating the Bears, beating the Colts, beating the Bears comfortably, going into Indy. And yeah, you know, maybe Indy's not necessarily the most uh, challenging team in the world, especially right now with some of the deficiencies that they have offensively. But that's a quality defense on the road. You go into their town, you travel across a couple of time zones, you play a 1 p.m. Eastern kickoff, and you do as well as the Rams did. I think they deserve a lot of credit for that and holding off the Colts in the second half when they had made a charge to uh, potentially win that game. So again, I think the number disrespects the Rams, doesn't put enough respect on what they've been able to do this season and the sort of team that they can be. So I like the Rams getting a point here. This one, again, I feel like this should be Rams minus one more than Bucks minus one. You think this is one where Vegas opened it at plus one for the Rams because they know that everyone's in a bet on Tom Brady? <laughs> it certainly could be the case. And I guess you could also be a little bit worried about the the, the state of the Rams run game. We know that Daryl Henderson left in week two with an injury. Maybe he's not ready for week three. Sony Michelle ran the ball well enough, but we're talking about a second half uh, performance against a indie defense that was already maybe a little bit gassed at that stage of the game and just frankly isn't as good as Tampa's defense. So I could see there being some fears about the Buccaneers defense being able to make the Rams one dimensional. And then what that does to them. But at one dimension, this looked awfully good through two weeks. And uh, Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford clearly on the same page. And then again, I just think it's it's going to be a different world for Tampa in this game. Going on the road, being the road team uh, for the first time this season. Yeah, that's right. First time this season that they go on the road. They go into this environment in L.A. against a very, very good Rams defense. I mean, I don't think it's a disrespectful thing to say about the Buccaneers that they should be one-point one point underdogs in this game. And I think that we could see things start to swing in that direction. So I will take the free point on the Rams right now. I mean, that's where I'm sitting in this one uh, as we start looking ahead into how things might move in week three. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, do it. One more pick a piece here. We're both on totals and we're both on unders. Give us your under and why you like it. Uh, for me, I'm going under 48 and a half in the Falcons and Giants game. 
Um, you know, looking at these two teams, I think they're two of the worst teams in the NFL right now. Just not performing. You look at the Giants. How many times did they have a chance to win that game on Thursday Night Football? I mean, they just gave it away. Just gave Settling it away. For field goals. Yeah, I mean, and then you look like look at Daniel Jones. He's he's not a rookie quarterback anymore. He should be making these plays, at least having situational awareness. Um, I think Joe Judge, you know, he didn't handle those in-game coaching situations very well on Thursday Night Football, and they're they should have clearly won that game. There was like four or five chances they had to win that game. Um, and then when I look at the Falcons, like their offense just seems a little out of sync. Like Matt Ryan and new coach Arthur Smith just aren't clicking. The run game isn't going. If Cordell Patterson kind of stepping into this running back role when he's been mostly like a return specialist for most of his career, a great one at that, but he's never yeah. been like a starting running back, which is where it kind of seems like it's heading. You know, I just don't see this turning into a back and forth game between these two teams. Um, I just think, you know, the Giants are just one of like, and we've been talking about this every time. I think we've bet against them both times. You know, these are just yep. like, they're just not a good football team. And I just don't think the Falcons are a good football team either. It seems like they're just kind of still recovering from that Super Bowl letdown. And Matt Ryan just isn't on the same page. Like in Calvin Ridley, he's struggling without Julio because I think Calvin Ridley got all those secondary targets last year because Julio had the number one coverage. Now the number one coverage is on Calvin Ridley. And it's like, he's not getting open and he's not getting like the looks from Matt Ryan that he expects either. Here's where I will push back on that. And this is a stay away from me for now. Here's where I'm going to push back on you. These defenses have not looked great this season. Uh, the Giants gave up 30 to Washington in week two. They gave up 27 and should have been in the 30s against Denver in week one. The Falcons gave up 48 to Tampa. And there were some pick sixes in there, actually. So, what, 34 to Tampa, uh, Tampa's offense in week two. And they gave up 32 to Philly's offense in week one. So concerns at all about the defenses being bad enough for the offenses that maybe are substandard to be able to take advantage of. There is talent on both offenses, that's for sure. No, I'll give you that. And, you know, maybe this is the week that Saquon Barkley bounces back and he's feeling a little bit... off. Yeah, he's had 10 days off. He's got, like, that secondary buy. It's kind of like a little mini training camp for him. Mm-hmm. You know, get in shape again, kind of make sure that his knee is feeling better. But we didn't see a lot of him on Thursday after that initial big run. So, you know, I still think there's concerns there. I just, you know, maybe Kenny Galladay gets it going. You know, that's valid. I just don't see these teams like, I just kind of see this being like a 17-14 type game. You know, there's a a score. They try and protect the ball. They're conservative in their offense because they're in the game. They want to win this game because they both see it as a winnable game. And they're just like both coaches play it really conservative because they don't want to be the first one fired in the NFL this season. (laughs) A little bit more concerned, I think, for Joe. I think Arthur Smith's probably got got at least a leash that's going to get him into 2022 for Atlanta. Uh, But uh, all right, so that's what you're on. Uh, Falcons and Giants under 48 and a half. I'm also looking at an under. And I'll I'll, I'll come right out and say it. When I see 43 and a half as a total... I, it feels almost like a sucker play to go under because that's a it's a hard number to come under in today's NFL. It's just it just is. You don't see a ton of unders of forty three and a half. It just it's easy to get above that. It's easy to get to a twenty four twenty game, even for games that you think are going to be slow paced, games that are more defensively focused. It just doesn't take a lot to get to something like twenty four twenty. But I think with the way these two teams play that we're going to see a lot of defense in this game. And, you know, the Saints were really exposed. I mean, let's go back to week one when the Saints put up 38 points. You have a Packers defense that has been the issue for that team in the last couple of years. Even in the back-to-back NFC Championship game seasons, the defense was clearly an issue for the Packers. You had some short fields 
for the Saints. I mean, you had Jameis Winston throwing for five touchdowns and 148 yards, the fewest yards passing ever in a five-touchdown game. They had a lot of short fields they took advantage of. They had a lot of Green Bay penalties they took advantage of. It's not as though, like, not every 38-point game is created equal. And we saw that from the Saints offense in week one. And then you go forward to week two, totally shut down by Carolina. They will now be out of New Orleans for more than a month by the time this game is played. It's just a long time to be on the road, and you can see the disjointedness of their offense against the Panthers. On the other side, you have a New England offense that is happy, that wants to play slow, play conservatively, win games where they score 17 points or 20 points or 23 points. It didn't work out for them in week one. It was a They were basically a Damian Harris fumble inside the five away from scoring 23 and beating the Dolphins in week one. And then they do it in week two against the Jets where they put up 25 points. I mean, that's just where the Patriots are going to live. It's where their offense is built to live and it's where their defense is built to hold other teams. So I think we're going to see the Patriots play a lot of under games this season. And I just, I, I'm not buying the Saints offense to it. I just don't buy it. I think Alvin Kamara is the one above average player on that offense outside of the offensive line as well. And I just think that the Saints are still getting almost a little bit too much credit for what they did in week one, even at this 43 and a half number. This has the feeling of a 20 to 13 Patriots victory for me. I like the Patriots on the minus three as well, but we're sticking ourselves to two plays here. And I just like the under better. I just don't see either of these teams getting into the mid to high twenties in this one. And so long as that's the case, this one's going to come under 43 and a half. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the spread being three points. I mean, that's, and we're kind of talking early lines here. I think that one's going to creep up a little bit. You know, Mm -hmm. three points is like that key number, but I could see it going to three and a half, you know, maybe four during the week. Um, I was looking at air yard stats. Did you know that, you know, both the Patriots and Saints are in the bottom five in the league and air yards it. completed already? <laughs> like, obviously, it's, it's obviously like with Jones, like it's Belichick is just saying, hey, don't throw, don't turn over the ball. The defense mm-hmm. is going to win this game for us. You know, we can run the ball. We'll get, you know, James White will run it. We'll th- jump off to James White. He'll go get 10 yards for you. It's like, it's really apparent what the Patriots are doing. And that's, Understandable because Bill Belichick's been playing that football for the last two decades. But, you know, Jameis is just, he has a great arm. He led the league in touchdowns and passing yards a couple of years ago, but it's like, don't turn over the ball, Jameis. And that's, yeah, it's like, don't make any big plays and don't try and make any downfield shots. Like they're just dumping it off as well. So it just like the unders, I would definitely lean the under here as well. Um, but you know, what are, what are these two teams going to do against each other? That's the real key. And, you know, I don't see the Patriots going up-tempo, but maybe the Saints do. Maybe they do, like, up-tempo offense to try and throw the Patriots off their game because they know they want to slow them down. Yeah, maybe if, they, if you're going to try to if, – if, Patri- if the Saints feel as though they need to force New England out of the play that they want to go at, then maybe they do try to go up-tempo. I just don't think they're built to do that. And we just had a whole summer of, you know, Sean Payton trying to coach Jameis out of his previous – Uh, mistake-ridden past and be this new sort of player. I just think we have two of the more conservative offenses in the league going against one another and a, you know, a good to great defense on New England side of the ball that can really control this game. I think the best unit, as we go into this game, we have to think the best unit is the Patriots defense. And then you've got two uh, coaches who want their quarterbacks to be conservative with what they do and two teams who are happy to let their running games really dictate how their offense plays. So I just think that it all adds up to something that can come under 43 and a half. And even if I am something of being wrong in this one, 
mean, 23-20 still gets me under. This is one where it would have to take a major changing of stripes, a pick six, a blocked punt, a punt return, something like that. Some sort of quick strike anomalous score would have to be in play to get me out of the, uh, to get this out of the uh, low 40s and into the mid 40s where I would be suddenly looking at some trouble. So this is what I am on. Saints Patriots under 43 and a half. That's going to do it for this episode of Best on the Board here at The Athletic. Thank you for checking us out on YouTube for those of you who watched and on the uh, podcast world for those of you who are just listening. Please rate, review, subscribe. We really appreciate all of that as we are just new with this show and getting things up and running. And you can get yourself in the door at The Athletic still for another month, 50% off a subscription to The Athletic if you go to theathletic.com slash best. Thank you again for checking us out here for Andrew DeWitt. I am Michael Beller. Best on the Board returns on Thursday when we turn our eyes to the college football game and Thursday night football between the Panthers and Texans. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you then.